0: Jesus took Peter, James, and John, his brother, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became white as light. And behold, Moses and Elijah appeared to them, conversing with him. Then Peter said to Jesus in reply, Lord, it is good that we are here. If you wish, I will make three tents here one for you, one for Moses and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, behold, a bright cloud cast a shadow over them. Then from the cloud came a voice that said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell prostrate and were very much afraid. But Jesus came and touched them, saying, Rise and do not be afraid. And when the disciples raised their eyes, they saw no one else but Jesus alone. As they were coming down from the mountain, Jesus charged them, Do not tell the vision to anyone until the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. The Gospel of the Lord. Uh, For Lent, I'm doing a series on the liturgy, and so we'd like to talk a little bit about the about the liturgy and kind of what we experience and how it connects in some ways with the readings. Um, Today we have the Transfiguration, and the Transfiguration um, is a big deal. It's a big deal. Um, It's one of the signs that Jesus gives of his glory. And it's supposed to be something that helps us to, in the midst, or help especially as disciples, Peter, James, and John, to remember who Jesus is in the midst of his crucifixion, passion, and death. Right? Uh, and this transfiguration is a, a tr- transfiguration. Is kind of the word like trans, kind of like transport, right? Change and figuration, right? So the figure of Jesus is changed it's changed to show his full glory and in that moment peter is like wow right he's like this is this is amazing like already before he was impressed by jesus right that's why he was following around that's why when he said hey peter come and follow me he did but on the mountain when jesus is transfigured in all of his glory conversing with isaiah and elijah it's like whoa I I want to follow this guy, right? I want to be with this guy. I want to stay here in this place because this is what I imagine it to be like, right? This is who Jesus in his fullness is, and we want to remain here. And so Peter's like, hey, let's build some tents. Now, I'll say that should be our experience every time we go to Mass, (laughs) Should. I I enter in the should because every single time that we come to Mass, we experience a heavenly reality. Jesus' glory is revealed to us, and we should experience it. But yet we don't. But yet we don't always. And so is that something wrong with God, or is there something wrong with us? I'll get back to that in a little bit. When we come here, we come here, um, as the second reading says, he saved us and called us to a holy work, life, not according to our works, but according to his own designs. I think one of the really important things about the liturgy, the heavenly liturgy that we celebrate here, is that we realize that sometimes it's not always the way that we would do it, right? It's not always uh, the way that we in our designs or our ideas, would worship God. But we realize that we're not called to a holy life according to our works, according to our designs. We're called to a holy life according to God's designs. And that he's given us the liturgy, the mask, in what it is, actually for our salvation, for our saving. And in that... In following his designs, we become more like him as opposed to following our designs and becoming more like ourselves in a negative way, right? We want to become ourselves in the fullness of what God made us, which is following him. And in the liturgy, sometimes when it kind of stretches us in ways we don't always appreciate, maybe it's more silence than we would like. Maybe it's not as entertaining as we would like. Maybe we just don't quite always understand what's happening in the readings in the way that we want to. right? But these things shouldn't be means that say, well, the mass doesn't really work. What it should be is an opportunity for us to be able to say, okay, how can I become a more like God according to his designs? And his designs don't always look the best on the first look. In the first reading today, we hear about Abraham. And Abraham is told by this prophecy, right? He's told, hey, I'm going to make you a great nation. I'm going to build a great nation, and people are going to be blessed by you, right? Except for at this point, Abraham uh, is really old, and he doesn't have any children. And so he's like, okay, God, it uh, doesn't look like it's working so far, right? It doesn't look like it's going to happen, and I think in a lot of ways, we can sometimes experience that with the Mass. Or maybe with confession. Or maybe different things, like where we don't experience changes, where we don't see God working. And we say, well, I should be experiencing the transfiguration, right? But instead, I'm just experiencing life. Right? So again, is that something wrong with ourselves? Or is it something wrong with God? And I would say... It's not either. It's not either. God wants to work here. Whether we experience it or not, He is working. Uh, And that's partly an aspect of faith, right? We grow in faith when we come here and don't maybe experience entertainment. We don't experience consolation. We don't experience all of our prayers answered in the next hour, but yet in faith, we trust God, that we are following his will, that this is the way that he wants us to worship, and that something is happening in our spiritual life, right? That something is changing, even though that we don't experience it in every single moment. We come here in faith. Now, one of the best moments to be able to make this offer and sacrifice, I think, is when the Eucharist is transubstantiated. So I wanted to use that big word because it's very similar to the transfiguration. Transubstantiation. We believe that the bread and wine it has experiences trans. Uh, Sorry, no, transubstantiation, where kind of like transfigure, there's this change. Transubstantiation is a really big word, but it's, it's pretty simple. Transient, right? Change of the substance uh, and the process of. Transubstantiation, right? So the substance of the bread and wine is changed in the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ. It's a miracle Kind of like the transfiguration. Even though that maybe a a bright light doesn't shine, right? A cloud doesn't overshadow. But we believe that the Holy Spirit is here. that, That the Father is looking upon. This entire prayer is raised to the Father. And that at that moment, when the priest says the words, the Eucharist is transubstantiated into the body, blood, soul, and divinity. And then the priest is instructed to show the people. So that the people can see Jesus, transfigured before them. Right? Now at this moment, some people, it used to be really common instruction, although it's not instructed as much, uh, to say, the pra- make a prayer at this point saying, my Lord and my God. My Lord and my God. And so I, I know a lot of people who that's a, a really common thing. They were taught really little at First Communion and, you know, kind of instructed in that way. And I think that's a really powerful prayer. It unites us to Doubting Thomas, right? That, that's the phrase from Doubting Thomas. He was gone when Jesus resurrected and came and visited the other apostles. And he said, I won't believe unless I put my finger in his, in his hand holes or my, my hand in his side. And then when Jesus does appear, he says, my Lord and my God. Right? And we similarly have that expression when Jesus becomes present in the Eucharist. My Lord and my God. Now, maybe you're, you're not quite at that point. One of the other phrases that I think is really helpful uh, is, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. It's another phrase from the Gospel where where somebody comes to Jesus asking him to help their son and he says, do you believe? He says, I believe, help my unbelief. Maybe you struggle with the Eucharist. Maybe you say, well, okay, I know that the Eucharist is supposed to be you know, truly present, right? Jesus truly present in the Eucharist. But, but maybe you struggle with that, right? Well, coming here and, and kneeling before him and saying, I believe. I believe because I'm here, right? I believe because I'm praying. I believe because I want to believe. Help my unbelief. Those are two different ways to be able to help engage in the liturgy specifically at that moment as the priest in that special moment pray, raises and shows to you for the first time Jesus Christ in the, Eucharist, in the Eucharist in this Mass. And I hope that on occasion we get to experience, maybe we don't experience a big huge light, but hopefully we experience a little bit of peace. We experience maybe uh, God speaking to us just in the depth of our hearts, maybe a certain answer, a quietness, uh, maybe just peace in that. And that we want to remain there with God, right? Maybe your life is crazy and you're like, God, I just, I just want to remain here. I hope that you have moments like that on occasion in Mass. And if you don't, I encourage you to ask for it, right, in prayer. God, I just need some peace now, right? Make that prayer. But what's interesting about the Mass is that the Mass is ordered uh, kind of like the Transfiguration Day. Peter wanted to stay there. He wanted to stay there because it was a good place to be. But ultimately, uh, Jesus led them back down the mountain. He said, be not afraid, and now let's go, right? Now we're going back down the mountain. We're going to go back, and as soon as they get to the bottom of the mountain, they experience uh, a man with uh, with seizures, Who and there's this big, huge controversy and... Co- you know, so you can kind of imagine, like, all the peace that, you, that they experience up at the transfiguration of experiencing who God fully is, who Jesus is, in his fullness and his glory. They get down to the bottom of the mountain, and they get back into the, the normal life, and they're like, oh, man, what is this? Well, we experience the same thing as we leave here at Mass, right? The priest maybe speaks about some awesome things, right? And you're like, oh, yeah, life should be better and everything. And, and then you get back out there, and you get angry at the kids, You. You, you, you realize that you've got to do 20 things and you, you don't have enough time for it, right? All of a sudden the world comes and hits you from the side. Well, yeah. But actually that's part of it, right? This is supposed to not take away everything, but it's supposed to help feed you and to prepare you for going out. At the dismissal, the entire Mass, the word Mass, actually comes from the very end of Mass. Ita misa est is the Latin phrase that was the final, uh, the final phrase to send people out. And the, the entire Mass took the name from that last phrase, ita misa est. And basically, is that dismissal? The Mass has ended, or, uh, well, it's not the Mass. The misa, well, the Mass, you know, go in peace, right? It's actually like, get out of here. The Mass is actually ordered to us going down the mountain. And getting back into life. And bringing Jesus with us. Bringing Jesus with us in and remembering the glory that he is in the midst of his passion, death, and resurrection. In the midst of the messiness of human life. The transfiguration is there. The transubstantiation, the Eucharist, is here for us going out. It's not just for here. If we keep it just here, we've missed the entire point. The point of the transfiguration is not to remain high on the mountain. The point of the Mass is not to remain here. But the point is so that you might live in the craziness of your life. Um, The Mass is here for our salvation, to be formed in His image. And so, may we allow Him this Mass... Uh, to be able to engage more and to be able to seek him uh, in all that he desires to give us.